Thunder Moneyball. Boom. Boom. That, yeah, that show is... There's just been a lot of shows that I've been talking about in the last three minutes that <laughs> people need to watch. Yeah. World, world, just so you know, I've been trying to watch Succession for about a year, maybe a couple of months, over a year now. Um, but I have a uh, pretty awful habit of starting a show that everyone says is good, like right before I'm about to go to bed. So no matter how good the show is, I will fall asleep in the middle of the episode, especially if it's like an hour long episode. <sighs> and then I'll not watch it because I fell asleep. And then I'll be ashamed that I didn't enjoy it so much that it kept me, it gave me insomnia, I guess. <laughs> Apparently I have a high <laughs> bar for shows. Like it better give me insomnia or, <laughs> <laughs> or it's not that good. <laughs> the th- <But> the th- <laughs> Go ahead. I- I've gone ahead and just decided to wake up and watch an episode of Succession. And I got to tell you, I love everything about this show (laughs) so much that I can't wait to be done with this first run through so I can start over again. That's how good this show is. Mm. That's a special love for a show when you feel that when you're watching it. Like, oh, I can't wait to rewatch this and start this journey all over again. Exactly. So if I can ask Victor, like what shows did give you insomnia? Uh, well, Rick and Morty gave me insomnia. Um, Breaking Bad gave me insomnia. Ozark. Oh, gave definitely me insomnia. Breaking Bad. Um, Did you watch Ozark all the way oh, through? Uh, I haven't seen the third season of uh, Ozark, but I'm gonna. I've been saving it for. Honestly, there. Uh, here's also another thing that you got to know about me, fans. All thirteen of you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and we love every one of you, by the way. <laughs> there are some shows that I save for when I'm sick. So if I have uh, some type of upper respiratory infection and I know I'm out for a couple days, I'm like, oh, cool. I have a list. I have a list of shows that I'm going to watch that I'm going to wake up and I'm going to shower and then I'm going to use all my energy in my shower and making food or whatever. And then I'm going to reside in my bed forever and just watch a show for the rest of the time. And rewatching season two of Ozark and watching season three of Ozark is on that list, just so everyone knows. Hmm. That's another one that I was very, very much into that whenever I, when the first season was out, I definitely mm-hmm. binged the whole thing, but I never picked it back up. Same. I watched the first season and I liked it pretty I, well, but much, I, never, I didn't finish it. I just don't, I just don't want to be told what to do. That's all. <laughs> so when something's out and it's popular, it's like, ah, well, okay, I'm going to go in the opposite way and come back to that when everyone else has left it. I'll pick up. Uh, yeah. case po- this is absolutely true for literally everything. Everyone. Um, I'm not. I'm not meaning to out my good friend Eddie, but I had introduced him to Kanye West about four and a half months before I actually listened to him. Um, and then Kanye became such a pivotal point of everyone's life. Um, and uh, <laughs> and I feel it's like true. I'm going to do that. I'm doing that with a lot of people with Hamilton, where I was not. I wasn't a non-believer. I love Lin Manuel Miranda. Uh, I I just knew that it would be an objective good since too many people were telling me that it was good. So I was waiting till it died down. And then I got lucky and I had downloaded the album a month before Disney Plus had announced that they were going to release the film. And I was like, well, this is... I have gotten lucky so much on pop culture because as Eddie saw today, 
we were just talking about succession at the beginning of this particular cold open. And then I look on Twitter and Mark Marin is about to interview Sarah Snook or he already has, and it's going to air on Monday and she can get it every day of the week. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's my favorite thing you've ever said on this show. (laughs) It might be the most true though. (laughs) And she is, she is, I, I don't even have legitimate words for her. <laughs> Shiv. I love it. <laughs> Shiv Roy is tops. How about that? <laughs> I'm glad you're watching that show. Are we gonna talk about are we gonna talk about basketball or something? Or <laughs> uh, maybe we yeah, I actually have we should. I, like I I literally watched an HBO miniseries all day yesterday. I didn't watch any basketball at all. <laughs> Like, <laughs> I looked. I looked at Twitter at the end of the day. I was like, "All right, I, I see what I missed. That's okay." I watched John Adams, yeah. and it made me cry. So <laughs> that's all I needed. I mean, that's time did, well spent. Too. Did I put you, know? you on the, on a history spin, Eddie? Is you it- did. Well, you reminded me that I used to exist on that plane like entirely. I mean, when I was in high school, I was on the academic team. I was on the B team because that's what I am. Uh, that. <laughs> So I, I was good enough to get on, not good enough to be anywhere near the front. So that's, that's where I live. That's fine. But we were like, <laughs> my particular teacher, uh, Chris King, I will never, I'll never forget that man. He's, he's a, a treasure. Um, he was my U.S. history teacher and later uh, AP Human Geography, which is just a wonderfully named course. Um, he, he got me on to the musical 1776. When, we were, ah, when I was okay. in 8 U.S. History, we watched it. I was obsessed with that musical, which is like the only time that anyone ever said John Adams' name after he died in 1826 was when they made that musical. And it reminded everyone that he existed. And uh, after that, like that, that same time period, HBO released the miniseries John Adams, which is a totally different take. But Paul Giamatti was absolutely stellar in it, and Laura Linney as well. I mean... Both of them, I was I was like so obsessed with them. So whenever you brought me into Hamilton, which is very strange coming from someone that's been on the, the those other two particular representations of that period in, in yeah. American history, because yeah. that they don't view Hamilton favorably. Which exactly is kind of, it's it's really funny to me that <laughs> well that's the entire main idea, and I sure. told this to students of mine. There is uh there are two different tracks dedicated to the whole main idea I feel like of the whole musical. And the first one is um right around the battle of Yorktown and it's George Washington deciding what he's going to do and he's talking to Hamilton and there's that first one that's called um uh I forget what it's called, sorry. But it's a the the main idea is who lives who dies who tells your story, right? Right. Yep. So I'm I talk to my students all the time about like when you're in your history class, the most important thing you can possibly do is ask questions because the pool I feel like for both 1776 and for Hamilton is you realizing the personalities and the human traits of all these people that are in history books. When generally you're like geared towards memorizing dates and events without Mm -hmm. like putting human beings to them. Mm hmm. Yeah. So when you watch a production that gives the full scope and emotions of a human person to each individual involved in all those things, it becomes exponentially more interesting. And also, 
paves the way for you to understand why we've come to be the way that we are about certain things. And, and is- I, <laughs> I tear up every single time in uh, the part of Hamilton that is uh, one last time where it's George Washington being like, I, I don't want to be president anymore because I'm thinking so far ahead of this part of this history. Oh, sorry. I just now remembered the George Washington song is history has its eyes on you. Yes. Which is not even a pressure that I think that any normal human being could accept, but to go ahead and attribute that foresight to a character in a musical about something so far away ago is genius and exceptional and the the most cathartic and connective way to make someone appreciate your musical <laughs> to give the uh, the history sentience, if that makes sense. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, I mean, that was very <laughs> eloquent, the way you said that. The, I mean, it's really the only thing, the only way you can be true to it, right? Yeah. It, it, because it was living. It was real. Like, it was a thing that you could not, you could not analyze it at the time. But just it's, because it's, we're not, not in the how time you do anymore it. does not mean yeah. it was not real. You know? So it's, I, you know, if, if there's one thing you take from the rest of the, however long this podcast is, is go ahead and watch Hamilton and let yourself be immersed in the late 1700s and early 1800s with these people existing (laughs) (laughs) and really, really let yourself pretend that you're in that world because it makes now, I think a little bit more palatable given how many different viewpoints on very simple and (laughs) easy issues. It seems like to a lot of people because clearly there are lots of viewpoints and there are lots of ways that people came to their viewpoints and I'm not saying that empathy is going to win everything and make everything better, but I, I am saying it's making you move through your life better, probably. Yeah, that's a good way to put it, I think. That empathy that we were talking about earlier, that thing, that's a blessing and a curse mm-hmm. to have. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of empathy, uh, <laughs> interesting week of basketball for our Oklahoma City Thunder guys. Very interesting. So... uh and Start now for something ne- completely different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I had a little empathy for the Thunder this week, you know, missing uh, Dennis Schroeder and Steven Adams for a few games and Nerlens Noel today. But uh, that game against the Nuggets, it went pretty much like we thought it was going to go. I mean, we thought no, that. No. False. Very. I was upset that I was given hope. <laughs> I mean, that game in the first was. Uh, Chris Paul lost that game. <laughs> uh, it's the it is the yeah. first time in the Thunder uniform that I can say that. That's yeah. remarkable. How many so, times yeah, did he, I say that in the first month of basketball with Russ at the point guard position? Let yeah, me. He won. Let, he let won us a lot and, of games, but he also lost us some. Chris well, Paul has never directly all, contributed to a loss like that. I mean, he just he should have made that free throw. That's all I'm saying. But here's what I'm saying: lifting the point guard. To the point where you can say <laughs> it's the first time yeah. I can blame a loss on him is only attributing more. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, his, yeah, you're to right. To how yeah. amazing he's been. Hey, and I, I, don't, yeah. I don't hold it against him at all. It's just... <laughs> exactly. It is kind of a fact. Like, mm-hmm. I, it, it's, it's so he funny because... 
No, while, he said it. While I was watching him shoot those free throws, I was sitting here thinking in my mind of the night before when I watched Russ hit four clutch free throws to beat. Which had never, uh, yeah. Who, who, who were they even playing? I forget. Milwaukee, I think. Yeah, it was the yeah. Bucks. Yeah. He hit four clutch free throws, and I was like, that's what Russ does. He could miss 10 out of 10, and if he has to make them in the last couple minutes, he's going to make them. And I would sit here watching truth. Chris Paul like, he's in, he, he always makes free throws, and then he didn't. He didn't. <laughs> I mean. But the, the, the caveat was, so did Dame Lillard. And I, I got to tell you. It's true, that, yeah. Uh, if it means, if Chris Paul has to miss those free throws for us to lose against the Denver Nuggets without most of our players that matter for this matchup, then I got to tell you, <laughs> I'm all for it because I hate Patrick Beverly. But I did get to watch him clown on one of the men I hate the most in the league. And uh, <laughs> there's nothing better than your enemies hating on your enemies. <laughs> That's uh, yeah, I think there's some uh, beautiful truth to that, actually. <laughs> well, if you want to take it back to the late 1700s, we could say that about <laughs> France and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'll, I'll go back to my corner now. <laughs> Uh, you're right though like i i was so conflicted because i (laughs) i I don't even like i i don't i have no hatred in my heart for paul george but he kind of did us dirty in a way and (laughs) the fact that it's he and it's just like it's a group of people that i'm pretty meant on largely and they're all fighting about each other it just made me happy just all of it (laughs) well the the meme floating around about i didn't you know, someone's just sitting around hating Paul George. And they were like, listen, everyone always makes these game winners on Paul George. I had not realized how many game winners were made on Paul George. But then Alex Abritas had the voice of reason had on Twitter spoke his truth and was like, do you know how many game winning shots have been made on me? That's what happens when you have to guard the guy (laughs) on the team. Yeah, that's like a terrible argument against like, you yeah. did your job all those times, but just not good enough. Like, yep. No one else was guarding those people. What do you want? Exactly. Like, yeah. So I, I get both sides of it. Uh, whenever someone scores on Alex Abrinas, I don't feel the same way as when they score on Paul George or Kawhi Leonard is all I'm saying. But also, Alex Abrinas was getting the same uh, call to arms as Paul George. So. I, I appreciate his uh, willingness to defend him a little bit, even if it is adjacently. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I yeah. like PG. I, I'm, I, I just, you know, the bitter feelings will probably take a long time to dissipate, even though I have lots of good ones right now. Yeah. I want to be able to make my meme, which my meme is going to be of <laughs> both a cake in possession and eating oh, it, no. and then another cake still in possession, which is what's <laughs> going to happen because we're gonna we're gonna the Blazers aren't gonna make the playoffs. Uh, we're gonna get the clown Dame for that. We're still gonna be in the playoffs, and we're gonna have all those picks still. So, like, come on, that's the truth. It's, it's that a, it's is, a yeah, grand is. grand thing. I'm so happy for it. The truth. Yes, sir. Well, then they had a bounce-back win, going back to the Thunder. They had a bounce-back win against the Lakers, which was a very awkward win. It was a win that we felt kind of strange about because they largely played meh 
you know, overall. And the Lakers, you know, they were Dwight Howardless, and they played very, very, very meh, even more meh than the Thunder played. Um, but yeah, what were your takeaways from that Lakers game, guys? Well, I think that you said everything to make me excited, which was the Lakers, <laughs> which was the Lakers were only missing Dwight Howard, which don't get me wrong, rotation player that's very big and clearly a, a post presence is something that you want yeah. to, uh, you know, you want to be f- comfortable that you can uh, create your offense against. Yeah, but a better starter than JaVale McGee, for sure, I would say. I, I would probably agree with that. But I'm not Frank Vogel. I don't know what's going on, and apparently not great things are going on in that locker room. But I am ecstatic that we can have a bad game against the number one seed and never have trailed against them in the whole game. That's a good point. Very good point. And without Dennis Schroeder, too. That was the first game that Schroeder did, exactly. correct? Correct. Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, he played against the Nuggets, right? No, no, that's not true. He d- he didn't play against the oh, Nuggets. Oh, because really? he okay. he only played against Utah. That was his only game. That's that's well, right. He played the three, like, the well, three preseason or whatever games. Because yeah, yeah. Jokic was not having a good game until the last like twelve game minutes. Like I guess the last quarter. Um, but man, can we talk a little bit? This dude for Denver who apparently we need to steal from him, from them, or he needs to go to Phoenix and go be with Devin Booker or something like that. Denver does not deserve uh, MPJ. Michael Porter Jr.? Yeah. yeah, He was pretty fantastic. He's he's looked really good in every game in the bubble, I in think. the whole bubble. He and TJ Warren are trying to get paid is what I think is happening. Yeah, I know yeah, that TJ t- Warren is not expecting a championship. I know that Michael Porter Jr. is not expecting a championship. But I do know those dudes want a ball. And I would not be surprised if LeBron or Kawhi was like, hey, let's get that dude on our team. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Michael Porter Jr. Who we got to really get young, too. Or Kevin, for that matter. I could see him going to Brooklyn, too, and getting all of the playing time. So, you know, it's the dude is frustratingly long and good at defense. And apparently has got the shot right now. He can shoot right now. As someone really that what had matters. him on his fantasy team back when that was a thing, uh, <laughs> he was. Oh yeah, remember he was those really days? Really, a lot. He was very inconsistent in the first chunk of the season. Yeah. So I don't want to read too much into the bubble play because really this is just kind of what we thought that his potential was. At least people that talked about this dude. Um. So I think I think he's he is as good as advertised, but I definitely don't I don't think that it is like a I don't want to I wouldn't call him a game changer. He's more of a make game interestinger. You know what I mean? <laughs> Do you think that these two guys, T.J. Warren and MPJ, are maybe guys that get distracted by the noise of an arena? Because one thing that I have constantly read whenever they talk to players is that the biggest difference is that it's extremely quiet in the arena mm-hmm. when they play shooters. Jim is the phrase I've heard a lot. Yeah. It's shooters. Jim, which doesn't make, so, I, I guess it does make sense. We've, we've been shooting well outside oh, of the well, Lakers and the Memphis game. <laughs> so uh, half but, our games. <laughs> well, but I, I definitely understand it. And I agree with it at the, at some point because it's, 
I feel like there are people that can get to work in practice in the practice facilities and feel comfortable with, okay, I'm going to do these couple drills. I'm going to shoot these shots that I want to get better at um, and do whatever conditioning and they get in the game and then it feels the same. So that's where their brain naturally aligns to. And they don't have the, whatever possible anxiety would consist of. I have to make these minutes count so I can keep getting PT and possibly get a better contract next time. I, I yeah, mean, they're I definitely that, trying to, to make it known. I, the thing that I had this thought was TJ Warren's playing so well that it, should I start getting excited for potentially getting Victor Oladipo back in Oklahoma city? Cause he would be great <laughs> on this team. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You may be right about that. I'm looking at TJ Warren's numbers. Cause I think he spent some time on my fantasy team earlier this year. Um, I had and he's, him, I had he's for been a second too. I think, yeah, he's been real solid. I mean, almost 54% from the field. Over 40% from three. He averaged over three shot attempts a game. Um, free th- he's a great free throw shooter at almost 82%. I mean, yeah, the, the guy's balling like all year. I mean, he's really making a positive impact on that team. In a year when they were kind of hoping that Oladipo would be the guy, you know. Yeah. I mean, that pa- that Pacers team has has really been very, very good, you know, considering everything that they've dealt with with injuries. Kudos. Yeah, shouts out to that. Indiana Pacers team that is remarkable yeah I wonder if uh, Nate McMillan got any uh, coach of the year hype he did not make the ballot so interesting I'm he's really done a very good job I think he he's probably right right after he's probably fourth in the league in terms of how well I can't imagine anyone above him that's not in the top three well I I, it would have to be I'm trying to think the uh, Denver's coach um who who is Mike Malone Mike Malone yeah. Um Mike Budenholzer, Billy, and uh who was that? The one that everyone got mad mad about not getting it and they thought that it should have been him instead of Billy. Who am I thinking of? It, uh Nick Nurse? Yeah, Nick Nurse. Nick Nurse, the Toronto Raptors coach. Yep. Yep. Side note, Which, I'm trying to pull up basketball reference so right now. Fine. They've totally changed everything. Oh, it's I'm broken. excited. Let me go check. It's broken. Oh, on, now I'm not excited. On my screen, at least. On what? What are you talking about? Oh, you what? You have to pay to use basketball reference stats now? No way. Maybe, maybe advanced stats. Uh-oh. I mean, I just, I just pulled it up on my computer, and it looks the same to me. Well, am oh. I in the wrong place? You got to. I've got to be in the wrong. It took me to a place called you, Stathead. Yeah, you tried to become a stat head. I just now saw that. I just I'm trying to use the game finder. Hmm. Because I had I a question for you guys, head. and I was I was trying to find the numbers, see if I could give an answer after we talk about it. But I just today we saw Darius Baisley make five threes. And yeah. we've seen in the bubble so far Gallinari, Dort. Uh, and Baisley now, but maybe Mike Muscala. I, I would have to go back and, and look, but I think that at least three of our players have made five threes in the game, just just in the bubble, not even including in the season. And I wanted to ask you, has there ever been a Thunder team in history where you could think of more than two guys capable of making five threes in a single game? Like, I'm not even sure it's ever happened. I know Alex Sabrinas has made five threes in a game. Russ has made five threes in a game. Kevin Durant made five threes in a game. 
yeah. Kevin maybe Martin, Kevin Martin. He probably yeah. made five threes in a game. Fish, maybe, maybe he may maybe he had a yeah. weird game. Maybe like two of them were was toe on the line though. So yeah. we don't know. <laughs> maybe Daquan Cook. I feel like he had a, a few games where he was just fire from out from outside, but those games were few and far between for him. That's possible. But that just you look at that and you then you look at the rest of our lineup and you're like, there are a good six or seven guys that I would say could go off on any given night for five threes. That is amazing. We've I've yeah, never we've never had that luxury before. It's it's very nice. Yeah. Uh in when some guys are just ice cold from three, like we've seen Shea kind of been cold everywhere on the floor. Yeah, uh, he's just been cold in general. Yeah. It it's kind of interesting to me because I don't remember a time in the season where I felt like Shea was on a cold streak. I mean, he had some games where he didn't shoot as well, but I I, I feel like he's just in a cold streak right now. I mean, not just with his shooting, with his decision-making on the court. Um, I don't know if you guys are getting that at all. I mean, that game against Memphis, which is next up on our list here to talk about that game against Memphis. I mean, (laughs) what a weird game. I mean, the first quarter I was like, man, thunder are going to roll this team. They're going to score one sixty. you know, Dort's going to get 30. I texted you guys that like Dort's getting a 30 spot, you know, mark (laughs) it down. Now he had like 14 in the first quarter. I thought it was a done deal or whatever, but I mean, obviously the, the team just like completely fell apart and you know, to Memphis's credit, they really kicked up their defense in the second quarter and they kind of started to care about what was happening on the court. Cause it seemed like they didn't in the first quarter, but yeah, that was just an abysmal game for Shea. Um, do you think the bubble is affecting him in a negative way at all? Is that just my imagination? I, I'm not sure. It's, I mean, I don't know that you can attribute it to the bubble in so much as it's just, he hasn't played, you know? I mean, I I kind of wanted to talk about this separately, but Shea is kind of the best example of it. What do you guys, re- like, how, do you really think the Thunder have played well th- so far in this restart? I mean, I know I've heard you guys say that it doesn't seem like any team has really played, like, well yeah. since the thing yeah. started, <laughs> including us. I mean, yeah. I, the first three games, the the whatever those were, those things we played pretty well and we had a really great comeback, but honestly, I wonder how much of it was just rose tinted glasses from not having sports for months. You know, I was just happy to see the team playing again. Yeah. You go ahead. I have a thought. Yeah. Here's, here's how I know that no one's playing well. Uh, Phoenix is playing well. (laughs) That's that's, (laughs) I'm like, Phoenix is playing basketball. Like, don't get me wrong, Devin Booker is making shots and he is putting his team in positions to win. But there are people. I have learned so many names of players that I don't ever care about at all in life that I've learned <laughs> in this bubble. And that's how I know that no one's playing that well. Or that whatever moves that have been made are legitimately helping the teams and they're trying to figure some stuff out. Which means that the goal for a lot of these teams is not to be playing well, but to figure out what they're going to do later. Because I think there are a lot of teams that aren't really worried about trying to win a championship right now. They're like, we're in this bubble. We get to play. That's fantastic. What is the next step for this team? And I, I kind of... Yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying for sure. Yeah. I, I kind of I worry uh, that that's why we are doing so well. Because I think that our team is of the mentality of let's go ahead and steal this championship this year because we don't know what's next. 
Yeah. You know? I think one thing to take into account about what we're talking about is, you know, the scrimmage games, the three games uh, that were played before they actually counted, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, those games were actually pretty competitive, and Dennis Schroeder was a huge part of the Thunder's cohesion. Yeah. I mean, I remember making the comment to you guys last week on the show, like, I to me, it didn't look like there was any kind of rust, any kind of, like, grasp to get the... Uh, the engine going with this thunder team. It seemed like it was just already there. Like it picked up from where it left off. And I've seen that fall off quite a bit since Dennis Schroeder has, uh, has been out by the way. Congratulations, Dennis Schroeder, second child. Yeah. He was a, virtu- a virtual fan today against the wizards. That was kind of we fun. Call to that see. a bang, bang. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. That's pretty amazing actually. Cause he, his first kid came last season, you know, and I know this season got real messed up because everything got messed up with the world. But, I mean, I wonder how many times that's happened where you have one kid one season and then the very next season you have another kid. It's kind of interesting. But I, I think that, I mean, he's the sixth man. He, he's going to win, I, I think, in my head. He, he's totally deserving. It's not my bias talking. Like I, He is the sixth man. I think he is more important to the Thunder as the sixth man than Lou Williams or Montrez Harrell are to the Clippers. But he, I think he that, is debatably the most important player on our team. Yeah, I, I think that that's, I mean, well, that's what even we're more seeing evidence. right now. Yeah. He's he's the motor. We you know, it used to be Russ, but now no, everyone else on our team is calm and collected and smooth. Dennis is Dennis is the only one forcing an objective when yeah. he gets to the game. He's like we're this we're playing at my pace right now. Jump on, <laughs> let's go. Yeah. I mean, and obviously the offensive threat that he presents when the team is struggling from the three-point arc, as we saw them struggle mightily against uh, the Grizzlies. I mean, he can create offense when offense desperately needs to be created. He's one of the few guys on the team that can do that. I, w- I would argue that Chris Paul can also, also do that, and Gallinari to, to an extent. But I would I mean, say not- that Chris Paul can do that with the correct screener. If he can have, yeah. If yeah, he can have sure. a good screen, then he can create offense. So basically, if Stephen Adams was out there, right? <laughs> <laughs> to me, like you look at the Memphis game where we were, I literally said in our group chat that this is a massacre and I can't watch it anymore. <laughs> Talking about how the Thunder were up, <laughs> and then I watched them t- like a fifty-point turnaround and lose by nearly thirty. That that would not have happened if Schroeder had checked into the game. If he had checked into the game and played the first six minutes of the second quarter, there's no way the Grizzlies would have would have ever gotten ahead of us. It just yeah. wouldn't, He wouldn't have allowed it because he would, uh, have, he would have taken the ball in his hands and not done anything else with it except score, which is what uh, we didn't you know, do I'm all about these all but like the last three minutes of that quarter. Exactly. I'm all about these three lines, guys, and I think I'm going to go ahead and attach an allegory to this. Uh, Dennis Schroeder needs to exist. Off the bench because no team can withstand the stamina to defend for 48 minutes. And whenever Schroeder comes in with four minutes left in the first quarter and plays until four minutes left in the second quarter and then plays most of the second half, there's no break for the opposing defense. And in Hamilton... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> through line, through line, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> and in Hamilton, 
Hamilton's whole idea was, hey, let's get a spy in there that can tell us exactly what they're doing. And uh, we just keep attacking literally the whole time. We just keep attacking on ground. We don't retreat ever, no matter what. We're going to lose some men, which is not uh, thoroughly, you know, agreed upon by most people because I, I, I would also be a person that would dissent to that, which let's not lose any bodies. But Alexander Hamilton is like, Hey, we're going to lose some people, but I guarantee we win this entire war. If we lose some people. Um, and Dennis Schroeder is like, Hey, I'm not going to make every shot, but if I get to the rim every single time, uh, some points will happen. And there at least some fouls will happen on that team. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For and sure. I don't think that, Hamadou and until recently Baisley or even Lou or really Terrence Ferguson or any of those other backcourt guys or the swing guys like Baisley have Nader. the, yeah, they don't, well, uh, you know what? I will say that Nader is the exception. Nader is the he, only one of those guys that does not care. Yeah. He doesn't, he, he is, doesn't show fear. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I will He's take like, any I'm going to go to the basket. Yeah. But the majority of our team, because of what Eddie has said so much, where they're all able to be, hey, you are playing this position in our offense. This is what you do. They do it all so well. They're so very selfless about running Billy's offense and running Billy's defense and being a part of the cohesive unit that I think that that's what's difficult to defend against is realizing that I had texted earlier in our group chat. Um, we did the backdoor thing that's supposed to end with Lou Dort, but Lou Dort always finds either Steven or today it was Muscala. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for a backdoor cut that was an easy bucket. No way to defend it at all if you care about defense. And Eddie had said it before, and that was the moment that I realized it, that everyone is just filling in the role that they need to fill in whenever they check in the game. And it was the most, um, I can't think of the word, but the most accurate depiction of that ideal when I saw that play happen with Muscala in the first half. It was beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. You, you, I'm sorry, Jeremy. I want to. I'm going to throw this back at you because you asked me this question before we started recording, which is, um, when we're in the situation without Stephen, if we're in the playoffs and he doesn't get to play a game for whatever reason, who who would I rather have start in the center position, Nerlens or Mike Muscala? And I want to know. I want to know your answer to that since you asked me that question. I already told you my answer, but I think that it it very much is the same kind of discussion with Schroeder because going back to what you very first said, Victor, he has to come off the bench for us. I think that it is, it is vital that he comes off the bench because it puts him against both a different energy and sometimes a totally different set of players that he can take advantage of. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would definitely start Moose. If if my center's available to me as a coach, if I've only got Mike Muscala and Nerlens Noel, I mean, I not that I don't understand how valuable Nerlens Noel is. I I do, especially you know with the right matchup down there. But 
Muscala, the moose, he's able to spread the floor. I mean, we saw him knock down like four threes or whatever in the first quarter today, which is pretty spectacular. And he shoots with confidence. I mean, he shoots like a shooter shoots like a, like a two guard shoots. Um, and, and, you know, like I know he's a smaller frame, you know, and he, he's not going to be able to hold his own down there with like Dwight Howard and Jokic and Nurkic or whoever else the Thunder we're going to f- uh, face in the playoffs. But we're not going to yeah, see I, Nurkic in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, I, I certainly I certainly hope not. I think you're right. But yeah, but yeah, I I, I would definitely go with with Muscala. Uh, who would you go with, Victor? Who would you start? Nerlens or Muscala? Uh, the only reason that I'm starting Nerlens. Uh, it's. I will go ahead and say that this is a uh, fallible belief. I think that still in my heart of hearts, I believe a whole lot in Shea. He has not shown why I should believe in him in the bubble, but I still have it, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, I do, too, for sure. Of his ability to take over a game. And it's the same reason that Scotty Brooks was starting on Andre Robertson, (laughs) where it's... They're not going to score on Nerlens without Nerlens putting a body on them or them being at least a little bit intimidated. I need intimidation at the beginning of the game because I need them to feel like something is not working and I need the opposing team to have to make an adjustment at the beginning. I don't want them to start high and feel like they're doing well. And I think that's more easily accomplished with Nerlens in the middle. Yeah. And Yeah, I I think you're right. For what it's worth, I feel like Nerlens ends up with... I could be wrong. We could look up the stats. I feel like Nerlens ends up with a little bit more offensive rebounds and rebounds in general. Um, But I do think that Moose probably shoots maybe a hair better from the free throw line. So there's some give and take there. But at the same time, defense... I don't believe that defense wins championships because I believe that better offense beats good defense. But I also believe that Nerlens Noel is uh, a little bit more versatile um, to start a game against like a Rudy Gobert or a JaVale McGee or any of these people that we actually have to face in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, yeah, I, I totally get your point. You know, when Steven is out there and, you know, we're talking about this issue and hopefully it's not an issue. Hopefully Steven will be good to go for the playoffs. And then that's just what it is, you know? And we see that, that bounce, that bouncy Steven, which has been so fun to watch, you know, before uh, his, his, I don't I don't even want to call it an injury. I don't want to put that on the universe, but when he tweaked his leg against, uh, against Denver, but the offense, like the Billy Donovan offense runs so well, through Steven, you know, when CP brings it up and he gives it to Steven at the top of the key and then all the guards just run around, you know, like Steven is able to, to make decisions that will put the team in a position to score. I think that using that same system through Mike Muscala is maybe a little bit more effective on the offensive end than using that system with New Orleans Noel. But I think you're right, Victor, to your point, it may be a little bit more advantageous to have Nerlens on the defensive end of the, of, of the ball. I mean, I think that people will think twice about driving to the rim if Nerlens is ready to uh, to meet them down there. I think Nerlens Noel, I've said it before in the show, I think he's the second best rim protector in Thunder history. That's just my opinion. I mean, well, and we all know who the first one is. He's, 
All I've learned from the bubble is that Kendrick he Perkins. feels very comfortable. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> Nerlin Noel clearly feels very comfortable in the ten foot range. He's been he's put up floaters that I would not put up in my lifetime <laughs> in the in the post that go in very effortlessly. I feel like for him. Um, and I um, think that we lose some Victor? type of post presence. Can you still hear me? Um, some type of post presence uh, offensively. To me, I'd rather the big man be effective on the inside than on the outside. I think it's a plus for them to be effective on the outside for someone like Shea. So in my brain, it's like when Shea is in the game, Moose needs to be in the game as far as a big man goes, or Baisley needs to be in the game. Someone that can spread the floor and give Shea some room to work with to get a lane to get to the basket um so i think that most of shay's problems has been that nerland is in the game and he does not spread the floor if that makes sense victor yeah i so i i did not hear anything he said for the last like 30 seconds it was all like it was I heard a lot of it, but it was like all really, really chopped up, and it sounded like he was on a roll with this point. So I just wanted to want to interrupt him and just like let him go. But yeah, he just signed off. I'm sure he'll he'll uh, sign back on. He probably just had a technical difficulty. Headphones probably in died. Business. Yeah, yeah um, something like that. I'm sure it was brilliant though. Are Victor, you, you back, back, Victor? Can you hear me? No, I think your headphones died. We cannot hear you, sir. Um. Yeah, anything to take away from this Wizards game, Eddie, which I also felt like kind of was a weird game. I mean, the Thunder rolled, clearly, against, as Chris Fisher put it, the worst defense in the NBA and the Washington Wizards. And, I mean, they were stroking it from three. I mean, Mascala, Baisley, Gallinari, Chris Paul. I mean, Terrence Ferguson hit a, hit a three, which was really lovely to see. Um, that was play. nice. Yeah. <laughs> he hasn't yeah. played yet. He played against Memphis. Did he? Yeah, he did play against Memphis. I'm I'm fairly certain because I remember when he checked in, I was like, "Wait, I thought he was hurt." But yeah, he d- he did play. I think Billy put him in like in the second half as kind of a uh, a hail mary, you know, like <laughs> what we're doing right now isn't working clearly since the first quarter, so we need to try something new. Um, but that was nice. Uh, yeah, I just I, I don't know. Maybe it was just the opponent, you know, and the fact that Bradley Beal was out and Davis Bertans and of course John Wall. I, I just didn't really value them as a, as a good opponent. But uh, any important takeaways from this game? Congrats to Darius Baisley on a new career high, by the way. Yeah, I um, I, I think I think it kind of goes back to the thing that Victor was saying, which is it's funny that like the first message that I saw from you guys today was how since Nerlens and Steven were out, Thomas Bryant was going to eat. And then when I finally did get out of bed and turn the game on, we were up by like 15 and it was largely because of Mike Muscala, which goes to, to my point about why I would start him over Nerlens, which is that he, he is, as you described, Jeremy, he, he gets the offense moving in a way that Nerlens does not. And I think Nerlens is more valuable to the team within his particular spot of the game. He had 
he is very much the, the shrewder of defense for me. Like he is, it's absolutely essential that he comes in off the bench with Schroeder because the way that Schroeder plays is very fast and it forces other teams to play fast, which is where he is at an advantage. When you, when he has to defend someone head on, he can't do He can't do it. He was getting destroyed by, um, who was that? That, uh, well, he got destroyed by, by the Lakers. They're, they're big front, but yeah. he got really, can you guys he hear me re- now? It's very quiet. Yeah. Heard you, but it is quiet. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, uh, I agree with you what you're saying. I'm trying to figure out my audio. Keep going. I didn't, you were like kind of in and out Victor, but, but I let you keep talking. Cause I was like, it sounds like you're on a roll and like, it sounds like you're making good points from the little snippets that I heard or whatever. <laughs> oh, I totally was. So just keep talking. It'll be fine. <laughs> I, I, anyway, Sorry, I, 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 no, it's fine. I just, uh, that's why I, I would keep, I would, I would start Moose because I think Moose is like the, the pull start on the mower. You know, he helps get the game moving in the pace that we like, which is very important to our style of play. Like when, yeah. when you don't have someone that's a big, that can not just be the beneficiary of a well-run offense, but actually be a reason the offense runs well. Nerlens is a great beneficiary of a well-run offense, but if it, if he just gets the ball and he has to make a play, he's probably going to either shoot a mid-range jump shot, which he can make, or he's going to take it to the basket and he can make those too. But he's not really reliable, and I wouldn't, I would never say that is, I would never say that a Nerlens Noel mid-range jump shot or a drive is the play that the Thunder wanted when it happens. It happens because yeah. it, it had to happen. And there was no other choice. Whereas Stephen Adams. You know, he, he, as you said, he kind of holds the ball up in the air and lets everyone else run around him. But that's, that's what his skill set is. Nerlens doesn't have that. And that's not what Mike Muscala does. Mike Muscala stretches the floor and passes the ball. So I think it's important to have that those offensive, the, our offensive minded guys in the front to start and then let, let Nerlens come in off the bench. Cause that's where he's really truly succeeded. I mean, he was awful against Memphis. I, it was it was very very bad. I was watching it, thinking, man, all of my, all of the arguments I've made about Nerlens are are going out the door right now. They are, <laughs> he is he is the worst right now. <laughs> yeah, and we got was, we got whooped a tough by game. a really young Memphis team because of it. Frankly, yeah, yeah. You know, it's kind of interesting. You know, you think you look at our bigs, Stephen Adams, Nerlens Noel. Mike Muscala to an extent, and also Darius Baisley to an extent. I mean, we saw him achieve his career high today as being essentially the the backup center. They're all really different. They all have a completely different skill set that they bring to the game, which is kind of cool. I honestly don't think that there has been a tandem like that in Thunder history. Well, I guess the obvious Twin Towers, you know, uh, Stephen Adams and his canner, they had different skill sets and they were all able to contribute in Billy Donovan even played them together at different points throughout the season. But it is kind of nice to have so many weapons, you know, that you can use on offense and defense. Although your weapon on defense, Nerlens Noel, maybe not so good on offense. Um, I don't know. That's just an interesting thing to think about. Victor, are you uh, prepared? Uh, yeah, give me a second. I'm sure it's still. That's a little better. Actually, yeah, you sound pretty good to me. I missed hearing your voice. 
<laughs> I was longing for it. <laughs> uh, while he's figuring that out, so we got the Suns tomorrow, Eddie. The the Phoenix Suns, who have maybe been the surprise of the bubble play. They've been very solid. Uh, they've got a really good coach, as we know, and Monty Williams. And um, they've been playing well. I mean, they've, they've been winning some games. That win against the Clippers was was really, really big. Uh, yeah, what do you expect to happen tomorrow? You guys uh, hear me yet? Yeah, you hear me? Yes. Yeah, we got you. Yeah, we got you, Victor. Um, I expect Devin Booker to find a team, like maybe the San Antonio Spurs or the... <laughs> or like... <laughs> Brooklyn Nets. In incoming so, fine for fifty thousand dollars. Yeah. So you, know, you don't Graham, good, you good don't trust Draymond. the uh for the bubble suns? Victor, you don't oh. trust the bubble suns? You think it's a fluke? Uh if you were a listener to the podcast, you know that Mr. Janora had the Phoenix Suns as his dark horse for the whole That's season. right. I remember that. Uh so I trust the Bubble Suns. But I don't trust the Bubble Suns. I do trust the 2021-2022 Suns. <laughs> I trust the... <laughs> when, uh, when they come back, they'll be great. I couldn't even say the word. Inevitability of <laughs> Devin Booker ending up somewhere where he'll get paid. So if that happens to be New York, or if that happens to be, I don't know, like Miami, uh, so be it. But Devin Booker needs to get paid. And here's I've been the, saying this for a while. Here's a question, which I think we're going to have very different answers on based on previous discussions. Who is more likely to leave their team this offseason, Devin Booker or Giannis? Oh, that's tough. What does Devin Booker's contract look like? Uh, I'm sure. not sure. Let's just say hypothetically that <laughs> the rules don't matter and they're both free agents <laughs> this offseason. <laughs> whose line is it anyway? The points don't matter. That's pretty much. Um, yeah, I, I don't want to look too deeply into it. I'm just a thought experiment here. Okay, well yeah. then, Giannis. Then Giannis. I, I I still think that Giannis would leave before. Because I actually Devin look well would now that I'm bringing the now I'm look the numbers up. Devin Booker's making a lot of money right now. I think he signed yeah. a, a big contract already. Yeah, he, he signed sure for like four years left. So That's he's the got only max contract that they contract. can afford. I think they can only afford that. You're real quieting in for him. That's Victor. part of why. Say again. Um, but because what you said a couple weeks ago, Jeremy, which is that you don't think that Giannis is likely to leave. And, uh, I don't know. I kind of, I would be far more, I would be far less shocked if Giannis decided to force a trade than if Devin Booker decided to try to force a trade. Hmm. Cause I think that the, the, the bucks are in a, a much more precipitous position with Giannis right now, which is that they've already shown that they're clearly one of the best teams in the NBA. They've made it as far as the conference finals. Um, and Giannis is about to win his second MVP. So like, it's kind of like once you bump your head against the ceiling, if you don't break through, how many more times do you keep trying? Whereas for Devin, he literally just in this bubble has had the first four game win streak of his career. That's so. Can we just talk <laughs> about how crazy. so sad that is for him? It is I, crazy. I feel so bad for him. The man scored 70 points in a game, and he's just now getting his first four game win streak after already playing through an entire contract. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
you can look at the Suns organization. I mean, if you want to put blame there, you can look at DeAndre Ayton's injury last year and part part of this year too. Although he wasn't injured, he like got punished for failing a drug test or something, so he was out for like a month. But I don't know if you want to look there and and blame those things at all. I I still feel in my heart that Giannis is going to stay. I I think that if he signs another contract and then things still kind of just do what they do, you know, like he wins some MVPs and they always get to the playoffs and all that. I do think after that he will leave, but I kind of think that Giannis, you know, he's going to be a two-time MVP. I kind of think that players are going to start looking around and saying like, oh, let's go to, let's go to Milwaukee, you know, let's play with Giannis. Let's try to, uh, let's try to get an Eastern Conference championship. Let's try to get an NBA championship. I think that he's that caliber of player where people are going to come to him. Devin Booker is not that caliber of player. Um, I think, honestly, it's more likely that Milwaukee would do some shenanigans and get Devin Booker to play in uh, Milwaukee. I think that'd be really interesting, actually, pairing those two together. Hmm. Oh, man. That would be insane. Yeah. I could not handle that, I don't think. <laughs> I mean, time will tell. The East is tough. I mean, the East playoffs are going to be interesting. I, I do not, I do not think the Seventy Sixers are going to be anybody, honestly. But you got no, the Celtics, done. you got the Raptors, you got the Bucks. I mean, the Pacers aren't going to go away quietly into the night. No way. The Heat aren't going to go quietly away in the night. No way. I mean, those teams have a lot of fight. Um, it could be interesting. We could see the Bucks. I mean, I know Victor. You think the Bucks are going to be? in the finals, um, or we could see them lose in the second round. Honestly, I, I, I think it could go either way. <laughs> I have gonna no idea what's going to happen in the East at all. There's, I just don't, I, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen. Boston's going to be Philadelphia. I know that that's the three, six matchup as it stands right now. Yeah. I mean, I don't think any, I don't think, yeah. I mean, realistically, I don't think any, I don't even think Indiana really has much of a chance. And frankly, Miami, like, I really think there's only three teams that could even kind of dream of coming out of the East. Well, when I say make some noise, I just mean, like, make some make some series very, very competitive and wear some teams down. And maybe, if things go right, actually upsetting a team. Like, I, if for some reason Miami met with the Raptors, I could see Miami upsetting Toronto in the playoffs. I think that's, that could totally happen. I don't know. I, I'm not convinced. I, I mean, I guess yeah. I haven't seen Miami play in a long enough time. We'll find out short enough or so, soon enough, seeing as we play yeah. them, what, on Tuesday? Wednesday. Uh, I suppose Wednesday. Because we play. Wednesday, yeah. Um, Who do we play tomorrow? The the Suns. That's right. We were just. Okay. That's how, it's the circle. We got back to the front. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. I just, honestly, all that was was making sure you guys could hear me. Yeah, it's your. <laughs> lie to you. Your mic is breaking up every three seconds. I literally can't understand anything you're trying to say. I don't know what it is. That's that's all my ex girlfriends. So yeah, yeah. You're just uh, you're chopped. You're chopped, Victor. Chopped and chopped, chopped and screwed like Houston. I know. <laughs> I know that we're chopped because you would laugh at the last thing I said. So. <laughs> yeah, I haven't heard you in a while, Victor. Do you do we want what okay. do we want to do? One second. Um, I mean we could, we could continue talking. I mean it seems like he he might figure it out. Um, we've been down this road before. Uh, okay. So 
this uh, beef <laughs> between Damian Lillard and Paul George and Patrick Beverly. That does uh, not matter. <laughs> that we're all just listening to you. It's hilarious. It, the yeah, the heard, funniest part of the whole thing is they're literally probably in the same building, <laughs> literally tweeting and IGing at each other. Like, oh, yeah. Just rooms apart. <laughs> <laughs> it is pretty funny, which makes me wonder if they're doing a lot of it just for the fans, you know, kind of yeah. thing. Which, uh, yeah. If they are, I'm, I'm fine with that. I, I mean, I do I think, think that it, Pat I don't think Bev, that's how it started. I think Dame is yeah. salty. Dame has always been salty. He will forever be salty. He always has a chip on his shoulder, and great. Mm -hmm. That's probably what makes him good. Uh, Russell is the greatest example of someone that ha is like that. That's what makes him good at basketball. Sorry. Continue. So I, I totally <laughs> get it, but, man, it just, I love watching it blow up in his face. It just makes me so happy. Oh, of course. Like, bro, you, you, talk, you talk like you don't talk crap, and then when it, when it comes back to bite you, you like go nuclear on people talking about Paul George uh, has changed teams too frequently. It's like, man, just sit back. You're done. It's it's, that's and it's not even your Pat fault, Bev bro. You celebration were almost an when MVP. You missed those. So just you, it's not your fault. Your team was hurt and they just, it, it wasn't enough. It wasn't going to happen for you this year. Sorry. Exactly. That's fine. That's why it's great that Pat Bev can just laugh at him for missing free throws. <laughs> Cancun. <laughs> They're free. Oh, gosh. I mean, there are a few times in life where even your greatest enemies are on your side. And I think this uh, Pat Beverly, Damian Lillard thing, how this all started, is a perfect example of that. The league dynamics are so crazy to me now. Because Pat Bev, for the longest time, was with Houston. And now he plays with a former enemy of Houston, Paul George. And meanwhile, Russ is in Houston... And has nothing to do with the situation, but like was there and was the reason that Paul George left. It's just, it's all, I love it. This is the part of well, the NBA that I'm totally like, this is just, this is the vice part of it. The drama, the, this is my soap <laughs> opera thing. I'm cool with it because I don't have much of those in my life. This is great. I love it. Popcorn. He missed, <laughs> he missed, uh, man. Heck yeah. There was, uh, Victor, were you going to say something? There was, I thought he was. Yeah. I heard him there for a second. Every now yeah. and then I think, oh, we got it worked out. No, I, I I just didn't do a good job of my push to talk situation. Oh, um, okay. Now I hear you. Yeah. Um he missed uh he missed a golden opportunity. I think someone was really ready to talk a whole bunch of crap <laughs> just about him. And the problem with the bubble is I know they're not staying in the same hotels. If I knew they were all like a floor away from each other after a game, I would pay double the money to watch all the games because I would know that they were able to just like show up on each other's uh, hotel rooms <laughs> and just be like, all right, we got beef. Let's fight right here in this <laughs> multi-million dollar resort. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, truthfully, though, all this it's good, there's a good chance all this stuff happened in the arena still. I mean, because Dame, Dame said all those things in his post-game conference, which I'm sure was just back in a hallway, back behind where the court was. But no, I, I, don't, I don't think Portland's in the same hotel as the Clippers. because they, They're not. What they gave them, the like they ordered them in order of seating in terms of how good the hotel is. 
which is already ridiculous. <laughs> I just like to say, <laughs> why, why does it matter what your accommodations are? You have to be good to have good accommodations in Disney. That seems- what matters most <laughs> is that Dane can be like, hey, my room is 346. <laughs> if you want to come up to my room and see how dope it is and then realize that you're Patrick Beverly. <laughs> <laughs> then that's fine by me. <laughs> maybe he uh maybe he should have Pat Bev do a verse on one of his uh one of his songs. That'd be kind of fun. <laughs> I am um... There are tons of crackheads in Portland. <laughs> That Dave Lillard could have on his <laughs> albums that aren't Pat Beverly. <laughs> That's probably true. <laughs> that was just a ridiculous idea, and I, I think about what that would sound like, and it just it makes me smile. That's mainly the reason why I said. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I think it's fair to say this isn't going to be the uh, last beef that we see in the bubble. I mean, when the playoffs start, when things get really heated, you know, when teams are having to play each other seven times in a row, possibly things are going to get real interesting. Things are going to get real heated. Uh, Some things are going to be said. It's uh, some teas are going to be thrown. I mean, it's, it's going to be really interesting and really fun. I think I'm excited. I kind of just don't even want to play these last games. I, you know, I kind of have a little bit of that too, honestly. I mean, I, the it Thunder just doesn't still, matter for us. We're going to play stri- one of three teams. Yeah. We already know that. Like, yeah. In fact, I don't even know. I was actually trying to figure out, like, can Phoenix even get it now? I don't, I don't know that they have no, enough games left I, to get it. I don't think so. I think it's just Memphis and Portland. It's between those two teams. Now they're doing an actual, I may have misunderstood this, but they're doing a, a play-in game in addition to the remaining seeding games, right? So, like, no matter what the seeding games are, there is going to be a game between eight and nine to determine who's going to the playoffs. I well, because of because of the way that so the whole idea is the eighth seed needs to be a ridiculous four games ahead of the ninth seed to not have to do the play-in game. Mm-hmm. So I don't so understand. I don't understand why. Yeah, I mean. It, I don't understand why it's they inevitable did that. now. Yeah, I get it, but it's inevitable now. Like, there's no way. But also, Phoenix still has. I guess part of it is that they're trying to reconcile that not all teams will have played the same number of games, like not just in the bubble, but as a yeah. whole throughout the whole season. Correct. Yeah. That's yeah, good. I think I think you're right. Yeah. Still, I mean, it's going to be fun to watch. Oh yeah, it'll be. I will definitely watch that game. I mean, I feel. I honestly, I feel bad for. I feel bad for Phoenix. You know what I feel really bad for? San Antonio. Because San Antonio has only lost, ah. I think, one game in the bubble. They have, Pop has been like, we're going to go out here and we're going to play basketball. And what happens, happens. And it's a shame they're going to miss the playoffs for the first time in, like, my whole life. <laughs> and what it's has crazy. happened is that they're bad still. I mean, they've won, <laughs> uh, like, what are they, 4-1? and one? I think they've only lost. Phoenix four. is five and zero. Oh. We all agree that Phoenix is not a good basketball team. <laughs> well, <laughs> I think Phoenix is good. I just don't think that they are good enough, and it's too little, too late at this point. 
if he said every playing like this of in mine, February, so. I don't know that there would be it would be as as uh, close. Feels like they probably would have taken over that eight seed a long time ago. I don't know. Yeah, it's all, you know what? It all doesn't I, matter. I will definitely agree way. with that because, like I said, I was at the beginning. I was a hundred percent on board with them being my whole uh, what is it? My dark horse for getting the eighth seed. So I just really believe in the clutch potential of Devin Booker, not the whole team. I just believe in Devin Booker is what's happening. Yeah, I believe in Monty Williams too. Honestly, that's that's well, kind yeah. that's kind of why I think like Phoenix may be a little better than we're giving them credit for, but I mean they're there, they're in the mix to make the playoffs. I mean, with more games, if if things hadn't gotten so messed up, I mean maybe they would have. I don't know, but it'll be interesting to watch the game tomorrow for sure. It'll be interesting to see who's going to play for the Thunder one, that's- but then watch. Watching that Phoenix team, watching how they function, uh, it, it's going to be really interesting. I'm I I hope that we get Nerlens and Muscala, if not all three of our bigs. It's kind of yeah. a problem the fact that we really only have three bigs. I mean, Darius Baisley is not a big. We can put him at the five, but that turns us into Houston, and no one wants that. <laughs> like, yeah. It works in the right situation, but it's hard to find that situation. He is great it's a, as a... There as are a, three teams where that situation works. He's a great utility tool, but like that means he's really not perfect for anything. So let's continue to use yeah. him as a utility and not try to make him our center. <laughs> yeah. What were the three teams, Victor? I would say that that works against Houston. Yeah. And Phoenix. And sometimes the Clippers. I don't, but I don't that's hear you. Only because talking. my bias, my bias, uh, my bias against the Clippers is just saying that whenever they don't have Montrez, they're not that big. Yeah, Zubats does some good stuff for them occasionally, but I, I feel like I agree. he's I agree. he's very up and down, really, and, and his capability of what he can do, like even at his maximum best. You know, I mean, he he's a serviceable center in today's NBA, I would say. But yeah, I I, get I feel saying. like I feel like Bubble Shea even gets fouls against Subox. Is all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. Well, guys, the uh, the NBA awards finalist lists were uh, released this week. Not really any big surprises in any category, I don't think. But let's go through these, and we can give some quick thoughts on what we think. Uh, Kia NBA most valuable player, Giannis from the Bucks, James Harden from the Rockets, and LeBron James from the Lakers. I don't like seeing James Harden's name on this list. I don't think he's deserving to be on the ballot. That's just my opinion. Not that he's a trash player or anything. I just don't think that he should be in the conversation for MVP. I would maybe put Chris Paul and even Damian Lillard in the MVP conversation over James Harden, but. Maybe I'm crazy. We all know that Giannis is going to win anyway, but uh, <coughs> but but do you think James is deserving to be on this list, guys? Uh, uh, all I'm saying is James probably shouldn't be in it for a couple of reasons. One of the reasons is Russell is killing it and is clearly the heart of that team. That's the only reason I'm saying that. That's it. Yeah, I agree. It's my only reason, but 
I see why he's in there. Don't get me wrong. I, I didn't hear the second half of what you said, but I'll just say that he is scoring 34.3 points a game, which when you look at the history of the NBA is something that has happened very few times. So I can understand why they put him in that discussion. Even if all things considered, it's Russ's team. Um, and he's actually been, James has been pretty disappointing this season. He's still, the numbers are still on his side, unfortunately. So I, I get it. Chris Paul never had a chance to be in there, even though the spirit of the award it belongs to Chris Paul at this point. I don't even think that it belongs to Giannis. But that's just my, that's my personal two cents. Kia NBA Rookie of the Year, John Morant from the Grizzlies, Kendrick Nunn from the Miami Heat, and Zion from the Pelicans. I think Jaws got that locked up. Jaws got to have this locked up. Yeah, right? me too. I, I think John Morant is a very deserving Rookie of the Year. I think he's a future star in the NBA. Honestly, he'll be an all-star, you know, maybe as soon as next year. We'll see what happens. But, um, you know, although Kendrick Nunn, I actually watched part of the game, I think it was Heat Celtics, I want to say, the other night. I think it was on TNT. I watched Miami uh, without Jimmy Butler. And I mean, Kendrick Nunn, I mean, he he looks like a fully developed NBA player already, even as a rookie. Oh, Kendrick. I had is, Kendrick and Tyler Harrow on my team, my fantasy team, because they produced. Oh, yeah. So. yeah. And by the way, Tyler Hero, it, that was like the first time I had watched him the other night when I watched uh, part of that game. And. Yeah, he he's he's if that game is any indication, he is definitely like worth the hype that people are giving him. He he looks great. He looks really those really good. Those two dudes can ball. And I kind of hope that they're not friends, but I can't imagine that they're going to be on the same team for very long. If that makes sense. They play very similar basketball. Um and I think that Tyler Harrow needs to go ahead and leave and go somewhere else like the Thunder. <laughs> Uh, so that he can thrive in his capacity, I think that Ken- I think that Miami might be Kendrick's team. Is all I'm saying. I'm sorry, I, I can't engage in anything because I don't. I, it's all silent. I don't hear you at all, Victor. <laughs> yeah, I I knew that you were like continuing to talk, and I wanted to let you talk. That's why I wasn't saying anything. <laughs> but uh, I'm sure it was brilliant, Victor. Whatever you had to say, and Zion to me. <laughs> Zion to me just hasn't played enough games, just straight up. I don't know if you guys feel the same way. I agree. He hasn't played enough games, and I don't think they've allowed him to play enough minutes in the games he's played. But I will I will say this. If all other things were equal, I don't think the jog would stand a chance against Zion getting it. If Zion was playing even close to thirty minutes a night and he was able to play seventy games, like he'd be in the MVP discussion, frankly. He's that efficient. And oh yeah. yeah, definitely. Later in later I in his career, yeah. we will see all of sure. that. Uh, key NBA Defensive Player of the Year: Giannis from the Bucks, Anthony Davis from the Lakers, and then an old Defensive Player of the Year favorite, a mainstay, Rudy Gobert with the Utah Jazz. This is one that I'm not sure who's going to win. Um, I would like to see Giannis win this. I think that would be awesome if he won this. But I know that Anthony Davis could be deserving. I'd have to dive a little bit deeper into the stats. I mean, Rudy Gobert brought COVID-19 to the NBA. I mean, that's what better defense is that? He literally shut down the whole league. So <laughs> I don't know. 
What, what do you think? Who wins Defensive Player of the Year? Is it possible that they would give MVP and Defensive Player of the Year to Giannis? That's the only no. reason I don't want it to be Giannis. I, I don't. If you win both of those, like you're you're turning into a villain, and I have to don't like you now until you lose again. I don't want to do that. I like Giannis. He has to stay just underneath the level of villainry. <laughs> villainry. Uh, so who would you like to see win, Eddie? Probably not, Anthony Davis. Yeah, I guess Anthony Davis. I mean, it's not Gobert. He's. I don't think he's going to get it. It's just not yeah. good enough. I mean, There's his no defense way. is historically good, but this particular season, like, it's not been good enough to actually get them anywhere. They've taken the Jazz have just not. I don't know. And there's some talk uh, around that I've seen where it's like people are quickly jumping off the Donovan, uh, Donovan Mitchell, Mitchell. Uh, bandwagon. And I don't, I don't particularly blame them. He's not really like he was great as a rookie and it's not like he's gotten that much better since then. You know, he's been like yeah. the, the anti Siakam. He's pretty much not improved since his rookie season. And yeah. it's I mean, like, he, he barely made the all-star team this year. I mean, he was pretty far down. He's, he's a, he is one of the best guards in the, in the league, but that's not enough to win anything. Like there's yeah. good guards. You can be a good guard, but <laughs> most positions up. are guards. There, there are two guard positions and there are two forward positions, but also there's pretty much just one forward position. So I'm sorry, Victor. I, yeah, I want to be quiet because I want to like let him talk because I'm sure he's got good stuff to say. But I just, yeah, it like cuts in every now, now and then. It's okay. I also, I, I'm pretty much living in the happiness that you guys are assuming that I'm saying beautiful things. Uh, so just keep pretending. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well said. <laughs> I feel bad, but yeah, it's it's, I, it's technical difficulties. I don't know how we can really, <laughs> yeah, do this. I would say, don't Eddie, worry, guys. It's say... going great. I'm, <laughs> I'm killing it. So in the silence is. <laughs> don't, don't worry it's gonna be at all. so weird. I don't. It's gonna be I, so weird for our listeners because they yeah. they don't hear any issues. Probably, you know, they just they hear, don't like they're just gonna hear me <laughs> spitting these, these facts, dude. It's, honestly, this will just be like a Robespierre situation where, like, I'm clearly right. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm laughing, but like, not man. at what you said. I'm laughing because of the lead into what you were going to say, and I didn't hear it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would say, I would say that besides the 76ers, the Utah Jazz are probably the most disappointing this season. And I'll say that because there was so much hype around that team going into the season after what they did, you know, against the Thunder in the playoffs last year. And then, you know, they, they played the, the Rockets uh, pretty tough too. Um, but I, yeah, in, in my, to your point, Eddie, and, and you were referencing what you had kind of been seeing, you know, online with basketball fans. Like it seems like everyone expected Donovan Mitchell to just take this big jump in what he was doing. And to me, it doesn't seem like there really has been a jump. And what he is is good. I mean, he's he's a, a great player, obviously. He's one of the best guards in the league, as you said. But I feel like there isn't that level of improvement to superstardom status that we wanted to see from Donovan Mitchell as NBA fans. Yeah, he, so, he was so like, 
people were comparing him to D Wade and it's like, he's not, I don't think he has that in him anymore. Like I used to think, I don't think he can be even the number two guy on a team. I think he's probably a great third option on a, on a championship team, you know, Hmm. maybe like a clay Thompson type. Which is not nothing to sneeze at, right? That's still no, no. Great, he's a good player. It's, yeah. It is a disappointment in that people thought that he would be better than that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, Eddie. I'm totally with that. Uh, yeah. I I wanted to uh, comment on your your particular euphemism of always yeah, using I, nothing to nothing to sneeze <laughs> at, and I just wanted to say that uh, we're in a pandemic right now, and people are really worried about sneezes. <laughs> I actually did hear that joke. I'll, yeah. <laughs> I got the key words. <laughs> Good. Uh, right. So you, you may need to find a new phrase listen, about as listen. far as nothing you to sneeze You sneeze in the mask and it's all good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. I mean, literally, like, though, as long as, I mean, <laughs> you, get, you, ha- you wear the mask if you sneeze. I'm not going to, like, actually, I have not sneezed with a mask on yet, which is, uh, okay. I did it once accidentally. It wasn't very pleasant. Well, what do you do? I mean, my normal I mean, MO I, is to either like literally shut my entire face or to cover my entire face. If it's already covered, like I'm not going to I'm not going to reach up and grab my face and sh- and shut my nose and whatever when I'm sneezing if the mask is on my face. <laughs> but at the same time, like it's just going to debris is going to go in my mask. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's going to happen. Yeah, especially when you're a violent sneezer like I am. I'm a very violent <laughs> sneezer. I, well, I just let it go. I mean, I can't hold anything just, back. Can you guys hear me? So, I mean, uh, yeah. It's a, Currently, it's a, yes. It's a both. Yes, both. Okay. So we've had band camp, and it's like, I, you know, I'm not these kids' parents. So when I tell them to make sure their mask is covering their nose, they're, like, getting angry. And I'm like, listen, I, I don't care about how you feel i care about whether or not we're spreading this disease (laughs) and it gets frustrating because the kids trust me and believe in me but they're also like why are you being this way (laughs) about this thing that i don't care about (laughs) and i'm like listen kids (laughs) if it were up to me i would also not care about it but it's not it's my whole job to care about it So I don't know what to tell you right now about <laughs> this mask. Is just stop talking and wear it. That's it. Yep. You, yep. you better do it or you're not allowed to breathe. <laughs> Take a big breath before you get in my class and exhale when you leave. <laughs> All right. Now we're on to a category with... Uh, Lots of interest for Thunder fans. We got the sixth man of the year award. Dennis Schroeder on the ballot along He's with have LA it. Clippers, Montres Harrell, and Lou Williams. Personally, I think this is a no-brainer. I think Dennis will win this in a landslide. I'm not just speaking from my biased point of view. I just think he is the sixth man of the NBA this year. I think Lou Williams is on the list because he's one of the best sixth men of all time, although this season doesn't show that, at least from my perspective. And the same thing with Montres Harrell. He's good enough to be a starter, but he contributes a lot with that Clippers team. But do you guys think there's a chance that someone wins from the Clippers over Dennis? No. Clippers have not been good enough to warrant it. I think it's BS that there's two people on the Clippers team. Yeah, you can't. 
it's all <laughs> just broken. I mean, first of all, the six man of the year, it's all broken anyway. Like someone like Schroeder should not be allowed to be a six man of the year because he has more he's minutes a starter. than a bench player. Yeah, he plays yeah. more. It should be sixth in minutes, but then you're talking about like I don't even know. I can't even name who's sixth in minutes on the Thunder. <laughs> it's not Dennis Schroeder, I can tell you that. It's probably Dort. Maybe of like late, it. of late, yeah. yeah. No, I don't think that they deserve to. I don't even think they really should be on there. Honestly, if it takes two of them, clearly neither one of you did enough. Yeah, you can't I have two six men. It doesn't. No matter how you define it, you can't have two of the same thing in that in this particular thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. then Nick Collison should have won six men when James Harden did because James Harden isn't going to be as so, good if he doesn't yes. have Nick Collison feeding him the ball. It's the truth. Yeah, and they didn't develop that two-man game that was so potent and teams just could not defend at all. Man, going the back truth. and watching some of those highlights, blast from the past. Just yeah, the beginning of that tremendous baseline cut with the pocket pass from Nick is just... Whew, it's lovely. It's basketball sex is what it is. It's wonderful. <laughs> Dennis Schroeder's got that award. I don't think there's any debate. Yeah. I think he's and got he it. And he deserves it. He, he deserves it. I mean, he's been fantastic this season. He really has. Uh, most improved player. This is an interesting one. Bam Adebayo from the Heat. Luka Doncic, an interesting addition to, to the list here from the Mavs, obviously. And then Brandon mm-hmm. Ingram, also kind of an interesting addition to the Pelicans. It be- yeah, this is so. Be Luca. If you guys hear Luca, this is what I was talking about. Go ahead. Order. Yeah, the Luca was, Luca was like, "Hey, uh, who else is on this list?" And the reporter was like, "I mean, does it matter?" And he was like, "Hey, I put who's the who's the Devonte Green? Is that the guy in Charlotte? Charlotte? Who's the guy in Charlotte? Yeah, they're like, hey, uh, put him on there <laughs> because." And then they do the side-by-side. His stats are so ridiculously better than last year that it's a no-brainer that he should win this award. Yeah, I'm, I'm a it's little... It's so crazy. I'm disappointed that he didn't get on the list. I had him on my fantasy team, and he was so much better this year than he was. I mean, I remember reading all the little updates. Like, hit... With his play yeah. being drastically improved from last season, he is a, a must-have player, blah, 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 blah. Lucas should not be on that list. I think that is a blatant uh, ploy by the NBA to try to get their their big-name guys up in the front. And I, Luka of clearly course. saw through it. So, Yeah. You should yeah. not. I don't think you should be allowed to win that award if you were in an MVP race the previous season. Like, just, you know, you're not Correct. Eligible. Yes. Like, I don't, I don't yeah. understand it. Lucas, I mean, great, I was, and he did get better. But come on, man, save some uh, yeah. some of the fishes for the other smaller fishes in this particular for, ocean. For, for like you know, <laughs> yeah, like what happens next year when Lou Dort is clearly first team All Defensive Team? <laughs> yeah, you're right. shooting forty you know, percent um, from the free three point line and stuff like that. Like it's like, e- yeah, I I kind of think Brandon Ingram would be a good choice. Yeah. Um, but I yeah, think, you I'm, know, I'm down for Brandon Ingram. I I, I could go. With yeah, him. who was the third yeah. one? Bam, Luca, and Brandon Ingram. I kind of think Bam is going to get this. Bam, Bam is Bam been great. Bam is amazing. It, but I could, 
but I would not be upset if Brandon won it. But Bam probably will win. To me, Bam is already up in the top three traditional centers in the NBA. I I can yeah. I think Bam, Stephen Adams, and I guess if I had to pick maybe like a, a Nurkic, but I don't want to. <laughs> I can't, I I'm want not going to pick Jokic because I don't think he's a traditional center in that sense. Uh, I you know I'll, I'll throw I'll make Jokic, and I guess Embiid. So top four. Can we talk about that world? <laughs> Listen to our podcast. Look at us hating Nurkic and going ahead <laughs> and giving him some props for he's, existing. He's good, which that's I why, don't want to do. That's ever, why I hate him at all. <laughs> yeah. As I said with Giannis, once you get to be too good, you become a villain. Like it, it's just <laughs> it is the way of the NBA. Yeah. And then eventually, yeah. once you're good enough for long enough. You come back around and you become a hero. See Kobe, see LeBron, see Tim Duncan. And then if you stick around too long, you get hated again. See Michael Jordan. Mm. (laughs) I will say that Giannis Giannis doesn't have a a douchey face and Nurkic has the douchiest of faces. True. And maybe, maybe that's why I, I hate Nurkic. Not as douchey as Zach Collins. I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right about that. Yeah. No, Zach Collins has like I'm a roofie you face. Like that's, it's true. That's a little bit. Yeah, honestly, the douchiest looking is Michael Porter Jr. <laughs> so correct. He doesn't stand a chance if he gets good. Uh, he's going to be so much hated, so hated. He deserves. And it. I'll I'll be real with everyone. I am a uh, very clearly like a strong supporter of Matisse Tybul's, uh YouTube channel and all his stuff that he's doing in the bubble. But I definitely would not like him. If I was in high school with him playing basketball or in any other uh, close proximity with him, I'd be like, I don't like this dude. But I love his YouTube channel. And I love that he's doing what he's doing with the his experience in the bubble. I think it's too late to fix it, but I get the suspicion that the, your mic problem is input sensitivity because it only seems to be an issue whenever you talk quietly. It's like when but you're, when you're yelling, loud. I I'm hear pretty- all of it. I'm pretty aggressive all of it right now. Uh, mm-hmm. The problem is what's happening is I, I, I look at my Zoom and then I see how high it's peaking. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I got to relax. It's You're getting close to clipping when you're talking. Maybe. So you're, you're, yeah, I get it. It's too late to fix yeah. anything about that right now. But yeah. Um, and then we got the coach of the year. And we kind of touch on this a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got Mike Budenholzer with the Bucks, Billy Donovan with the Thunder, Nick Nurse with the Raptors. Of note, the Coaches Association picked Billy and Mike to share this award, um, and they they left out off Nick Nurse. I don't think that really has to do with how the official award will go, but, you know, I think it's kind of interesting to look at. But, I mean, obviously... It's easy for me to not care about the award. (laughs) Yeah. That's true. I won't be as yeah. offended. I mean, I, I think that Billy is deserving, honestly, but I don't think that Nick Nurse and Mike Budenholzer are not deserving. I mean, I think Nick Nurse is very deserving as well. I mean, he lost Kawhi That's not Leonard. what we're deciding. That's not what we're deciding. What we're voting on is who do we want to have some, like, some metal and some, some type of jewelry more, or I guess the most. And Billy has had to deal. He's had to eat 
some feces this season, and he has dealt with it. I think that Nick Nick Nurse should be the second because neither of those teams have Giannis Antetokounmpo on their team. Yeah. Um, And we were supposed to be definitely not in the playoffs. Toronto was supposed to definitely be worse without Kawhi. Milwaukee was supposed to still be good, even without uh, Brogdon. So I think that Bolton yeah, Holder should definitely point. be the we third. That's a, a really good we point, had actually. We had a 0.2% chance of making the playoffs when the season started. No one ever said Toronto wasn't going to make the playoffs. And certainly did not say that about Milwaukee. So you're exactly right. I don't, I don't think that Mike Boonholzer should even be in that discussion. He has Giannis. He has the MVP, the back-to-back MVP. You can't just, you don't get coach of the year just because you have the best player. You know? Agreed. None of LeBron's coaches ever won coach of the year. Uh, well, did Eric yeah. Spolstra? Because he's different. Eric Spolstra is excellent. I mean, clearly, you just you see it here. Yeah. That's a good question, actually. I'm not sure if any of LeBron's coaches won coach of the year. Nick Nurse has uh, the strongest argument, but I I don't see how you can disregard what Billy has done, man. I don't think... No, you can't. If you're I being mean, objective the team just in any gels way. so well. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think, uh, along those lines, Eddie, of what you just said, do you think that Scott Brooks was deserving of winning coach of the year back in the day? I mean, he had Kevin and Russell. In hindsight, no. I mean... We turned it around, and that was a pretty remarkable turnaround. But really, you look at it, and it's like, okay, it was because the our two guys decided to take over. You know, like yeah. But he did facilitate an offense that let them do what they do. Mm. I mean, it would have been very easy for him to shut Russell down. You know, but, but he let Russell it? be Russell. You know, I don't know that it would be very easy to shut Russell down. I don't think. Well, I mean, anyone's I been able to he, do it. Scott Brooks was always a shoot it, you know, shoot your shot kind of guy. I mean, he, he was always like high volume shooting, you know, like he let Russell do what Russell does. Cause I mean, maybe he saw the potential in Russell like early on when people didn't see him as a point guard in the league. Um, and everyone always knew Kevin would be brilliant as a player and he would probably be one of the best scores ever. And he developed an offense to let that shine. So I think he deserves some credit for that, even though sometimes <laughs> when it got late in the game, that was to our detriment. And we and when Kevin was was cold and when Russell was upset and cold or whatever, we had no other way to score. But still, he let those guys kind of develop into who they are. And yeah, I don't know. I think that deserves some credit. Honestly, tell me you didn't have trust in Jeff Green and Eric Maynard. <laughs> and and I did have trust in Eric Maynard, man. I missed him, Eric Maynard, man. <laughs> Eric Maynard was destined to be the best backup point guard the Thunder ever had if he didn't get hurt. I, I, I honestly believe that. Yeah. And then we got Dennis Schroeder is all I'm saying. So, <laughs> Yeah, it, yeah. It, and, the, and then we had a stopgap of Reggie Jackson until we all realized how wrong we were. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, we were I think wrong. today's perfect. Every time we play Washington, it just it's perfect because there are so many similarities between the eras of, of Billy Donovan and... Scott Brooks and a lot of things that are not similar at all. I mean, Scott Brooks had it's true. largely the exact same roster his entire time with the Thunder. Billy has never once had the same roster. I mean, he has changed out Hall of Famers and All Stars and all and of his supporting cast almost every year he's been here. From the yeah. beginning, that's been my vision for why I thought that was a good pick for a coach was Billy Donovan because he had worked with so many college teams for his whole career yep. where it it revolves. 
it, it evolves every year where he's got to be able to be flexible with, okay, let's, what can I do next with this particular group of people? I think that all Billy Donovan did this time in the bubble was locked down that he needs to be coaching in the NBA because it's changed where people are, or players are going to be recycling through all the teams a lot quickly. And he's got it. He's like, I can make a team work in a season. Just let me know who I've got and I'll make it work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I got most of that. And I, I agree. I mean, that's, that's a very, very good point. Um, I mean, I think he's deserving. I, I honestly think that Nick Nurse could be deserving as well. I get what you guys are saying about Mike Budenholzer. I mean, when you have Giannis, I mean, you're going to have a good team, period. Um, that one will be interesting. I mean, it's not that I'll be disappointed if Billy Donovan loses, but I want him to win because I'm a Thunder fan, and I think that he's deserving. And I was a Thunder fan, as you guys well know, that was pretty down on him last year. I was uncertain that he should be the coach of this team. Um and maybe that was true last season, but this season I do think that he is the best coach for this team, which is really pretty remarkable the way that played out. That's how that works. I'm on board with him winning for the same reason I have changed my mind about Scott winning, which is that as my my take has always been for years now, when you have a team with Russell and Kevin to an extent, you're pretty much going to play the way they want you to play. And yeah. even even though Scott Brooks did, uh, he enabled that. I mean, you really have to thank him for that, for allowing Russ to be Russ. But at a certain point, he, you know, his his Frankenstein grew too large for him to control. And I mean, look at what even in Houston, the team that would never ever even think of dreaming the thought to take a mid range jump shot. They allow Russell to do it because they know that he's going to do it anyway. So he might as well allow it. Like <laughs> that team is well, just like fascinating to watch. They are going to be so fascinating to watch in the playoffs. That he's but it's team. you know so so it, there's not a lot different that Billy is doing besides being able to recycle lineups and make quick changes that I think is different than that, right? Because he's letting Chris Paul do whatever he wants to do. Yeah. Letting Steven do whatever he wants to do. The players that have established themselves in this league are still getting to do what they feel that they're the best at. But everyone else is getting pushed in the direction that makes the team more successful, which is remarkable. Chris Paul is, is Billy's biggest argument against winning the award. And frankly, it's true. I mean, the fact that you have Chris Paul, your team is going to be, your team is going to function as a basketball team on the court, yeah. even if you're not successful all the time. But, I mean, that's what Billy has been able to do. He's been able to work around Chris Paul in the same way that he kind of worked around Russell, but it just happens to be a little bit more fluid and there's a little less tension. Well, yeah. I don't know. It, yeah. I would like to see if, if he comes back and Billy plays the same group of players next season, what the team looks like. Because it could, right. I mean, it could. That would be he could literally, so weird. He could win Coach of the Year this year. We come back with the same roster, and maybe only have a very marginal increase in wins, and he could get fired. 
That's well, why it's be... so ridiculous. This whole the whole yeah. culture thing is so ridiculous to yeah. me. There are stretches. I mean, when... There are stretches where I'd be like, Billy is an idiot. I have no idea why we are no centers in this particular lineup. Baisley is the five. We've got Dort and <laughs> Diallo and Baisley and all these people that can't score the basketball. And then for whatever reason, our plus minus with that unit is like a plus five. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it's all it's it's defense. It's all defense for, for me, from my perspective. It's true. I mean, I would it rather really have Hami run in on the break and know that he's gonna screw up a layup than not, you know, if the if the alternative was taking the ball out from under the basket because they made the shot, I'll take the steal and the miss layup. There were several there were T Ferg threes that he attempted today that I was like, Why are you shooting? When they're up in the court, I was angry. I have no shooting. I have no interest in seeing Ferguson on the court at this point. I just I didn't realize that Dre How was out today. How upsetting is that? Hey. How upsetting is that, right? To not see Ferguson and be like, I don't want him actually. I actually we have two rookies around. on our team that are going to be far more important to the Thunder long term than Ferguson ever has been. And he's been with the team for three years now. I mean, Figure it out, we thought Ferguson was going to be them and they're, they've already surpassed him. Yeah, get your poop in a group, bro. It's, it's, at yeah. the end of the day, like that's that's feel, what I it mean, is. And I, as a he's fan of the basketball too. team, I feel bad for him. Or I, I, I don't want him on my team, but I do feel bad for him as a person. You know, I don't. I have aggressively yeah. avoided talking to my dad about transactions, but I know that he already has T. Ferg in his package to ship away to some other team. Yeah, I just don't know who who we <laughs> and, who, who we bring in. That's at the point I'm at with this team is I don't know exactly how we need to improve. It's always been easy to say how we need to improve before. We need shooters. We need shooters. Well, as I said at the very beginning of this episode, or the very beginning of the basketball discussion, we have shooters now. They may not be, you know, drop-dead shooters, but they can shoot, and any one of them can get hot on any given moment. But, like, what do we need to improve the team at this point? I think that the guys just need to get better. I mean, yeah, it, and it's true. to that, I mean, the answer might be just time. Like, the team needs time. Shea needs time. Baisley needs time. Dort needs time. Which, I mean, they're already good, functional NBA players, but to but to get to the level of, you know, like a Kevin Durant or a Russell Westbrook or a Chris Paul, like, they just, they just need some time, some experience, you know, which is totally understandable. And I will say, as far as time goes, as upsetting as Shea has been to me, I do not think he needs a lot of time to develop what will make him amazing, if that's fair. I don't know if you're still talking, but yeah, I didn't get all of that, but I'm sure it was I am, brilliant. I am not, I'm not, I'm not worried. I'm not worried about Shay. Uh, it was no, the I'm same thing even. that I was saying. No. That's what I was saying. So it's good. Oh, okay. We nailed it together <laughs> We're on the as same a level, friendship. As we always are. Yep. Uh, well, we talked about a lot of stuff, guys. I'm getting sweaty um, now. We, we got a game tomorrow to get ready for against the Suns, which we talked about. Uh, One thirty. Come on. One. This. <laughs> hey, the game today was eleven uh, nine thirty for me. Yeah, but I it's because they know that today. I've got I have teacher to get out of bed tomorrow. <laughs> I got teacher meetings all Monday, so I have to, Can you not watch gotta, the game from in bed, Eddie? I have to work. I have to uh, do my my livelihood job. 
Oh, that's understandable, I guess. <laughs> oh, any other final final thoughts? If I could talk, any other final thoughts, guys? HBO makes great content. Watch it. <laughs> Please watch Succession so that we can all have a conversation on the social medias about how good it is. <laughs> all right. And with that, thank you so much for listening to Thunder Moneyball Podcast. If you haven't followed us on social media, hey, we're starting to do some more stuff on there, guys. We're on Twitter and Instagram at podcast underscore thunder follow us there we'll likely follow you back because you know that's just kind of the people that we are and the next time we do one of these shows it'll be playoff time guys and it'll be set and that will be very fun more content coming at you bye 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 dame black lives matter vote your conscience goodbye